0: God is reviving the church to a new place of intimacy through passionate worship. David reveals to us the heart of a worshipper. True worship is an expression of a heart that is in awe of God's greatness. It is an overflow of a heart that is hungry for God, for His presence. True worship is an expression of a heart that is pursuing holiness as worship cannot take place outside of holiness. True worship comes from a heart that demonstrates undivided devotion in good times and bad, since the God we worship is unchangeable. Let us worship on earth as it is in heaven. Hold your Bible high up in the air and uh, say this loud, bold and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. Now, we are living in a time when um, the body of Christ, the church, is uh, rediscovering intimacy with God through passionate worship of God. And it's happening all over the world. It's like a great move of God sweeping across the entire globe, drawing his people into a place of extravagant worship of God. Amen. We're so excited. Last, I think it was last Friday night, we had our eight hours of Continuous worship and intercession was just great. Many many of you came. Just an amazing time just to be able to worship God without any constraints of time or uh, limitations like that. And I think there were about 40-odd people watching us live uh, at some, at least some part of that uh, secret place gathering. But a move like this, the Spirit of God is moving all across the globe, drawing His people into a place... Of worship, and this is changing when people begin to exp- just worship God this way, it's transforming us from being normal, ordinary Christians to becoming radical lovers of Jesus Christ, and it moves us into a reckless. Not necessarily in a wrong sense, but in a very good sense. Abandonment of, of faith in Jesus and, uh, and, and taking risks for the kingdom of God. And so ordinary people get transformed into people who are doing great things for God's kingdom. As we just give ourselves to uninhibited worship of the King. And our goal must be to see worship on earth as it is in heaven. I mean Jesus said, Pray that, babe. Pray that it'll be done on earth as it is in. So why not have worship on earth as it is in? I mean, like, why do you say, like, okay, once I get to heaven, then I'll worship. You. Why don't you do it right now? Why don't we worship on earth? As it is in heaven. Start doing it. Get as close as you can to doing that kind of worship. We know that God is looking for worshippers. He's looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Like I'm looking, eager to find somebody who's gonna worship me in spirit and truth. He's looking out for that kind of worship. Now, worship of God is, is, is nothing new, it's in the Bible, right from the book of Genesis. Uh, We read about Abel who brought a sacrifice to worship God. So it's not a new thing. It's been there all along. And there are many people in the Bible who have been great worshippers of God. And perhaps one of the greatest of those worshippers would be David. David himself was a great worshipper of God. David calls himself As the sweet psalmist of Israel. In 2 Samuel 23 verse 1. David says. He talks about himself as a man raised up on high. He became the king. The anointed of the God of Jacob. He was an anointed one. But he also calls himself as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Our sweet psalmist of Israel. So how about you? Businessman, politician, but also a worshipper of... They can go together. He was king, he was anointed, but he was also a sweet psalmist of Israel. Of the 150 psalms that we read in the Bible, 74 of those psalms have been attributed to David. You will find it in your Bible. A psalm of David, it says. Been attributed to him, Psalm of David. Now, thirty-four of the remaining seventy uh, remaining seventy-six have not been attributed to anybody. So it could be that many of those psalms were also written by David. So more than fifty percent of the psalms that we read have been penned by David, the king. And many of these psalms were used in David's tabernacle by. Those worshippers in the congregation to worship God praise God. some of his psalms of course were written at different stages or experiences in life, but most of these psalms were psalms written to worship God. David was a great worshiper of God. The psalm that was used in the inaugural of the tabernacle of David when David set up the tabernacle a psalm that was written then the Bible says in first 1 chronicles 167 that David delivered this psalm to the chief musician, Asaph, and he said, I want you to use this psalm. And that is Psalm 105 that was used to inaugurate the tabernacle where people would come and worship the living God. So David was a great worshiper. As soon as David became king, one of the important earliest things that he did was to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the city of Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence. God had given it to Moses. Moses had built it and put it in uh, the tabernacle. At, at one point in time, that Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines, taken, it, taken away. Uh, it, it left Israel, so to speak. The presence of God had gone out or departed from Israel. But once David became king, not only did he... Not only did he get it back into Israel, but he brought it into Jerusalem. And 1st Chronicles 15.1 says he built what we know as the tabernacle of David. Put the Ark of the Covenant in there. And he called the whole nation to worship God. That does not mean he had a little nice Sunday morning service. The kind of worship David instituted in the tabernacle went like this. He appointed 4,000 musicians. They were paid by the king. 4,000 doorkeepers or ushers to guide the traffic and the congregation and take care of all the other things that needed to be done. And 288 singers. That was a huge choir. And he organized it in such a way that there was continuous, non-stop worship of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year. And it went on for 33 years. That was the kind of worship David instituted. It's not like our two... 30 minutes, Sunday morning worship. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hey, this is something different. The kind of worship David put this together. We'll talk more about it next Sunday. You read about this in 1 Chronicles 15, 16, 25, 26, 27. You read about the kind of worship David organized. Just a great worshiper. I'm sure he did this as an expression of his own heart of worship. You know, there were... Many great worshippers in the Bible, like we said, there was Abel, there was Noah, there was Enoch, there was Abraham. There were many, many people who worshipped God in the Bible. The interesting thing is this. After David died, he became history. 300 years later, a prophet, about 300 years later, a prophet named Amos comes up on the scene. He's speaking the mind of God. He's speaking the word of God. And Amos says in Amos chapter 9, verses 11 to 13. God is speaking through Amos and God says, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David. I will raise up its ruins and reestablish worship as in the days of old. Meaning God is saying, that one one thing, that really got my attention. I want to bring it back. I will rebuild the tabernacle of, I want that kind of worship. Can you imagine God saying, I will bring it back. Amos prophesy, And the outcome of that kind of worship, verses 12 and 13 tell us that the, when that kind of worship is restored, the Gentiles will come seeking God. And verse 13 says there will be such a great harvest that the sower will overtake the reaper. Meaning the reapers are going to be so busy gathering in the harvest. Harvest time will come and go. They'll still be gathering It'll be seed time. The sower comes along to sow, and the harvesters are still gathering the harvest. The sower will overtake the reaper. That'll be the outcome of that kind of worship being restored. There'll be such a great harvest, you can't keep up with it. Amen. That kind kind of worship David established got the attention of God. And he said, I'm bringing it back. God called David a man after his own heart. And it's very likely that the reason he said this was because of the heart of worship that David had. His was a heart that was lost in the worship of God. So David was a king, a warrior, a builder. But he was a great worshiper. I want to challenge you and I this morning. Whatever our vocation in life is. I mean, you may be a businessman. You may be a politician. You may be an educator. You may be whatever in life. But we can all be great worshipers. Amen. We can all be great worshipers of God. David demonstrated that for us. Or oh, these two Sundays, today and tomorrow, next Sunday, we're going to examine the life of David and see what we can learn for us to become great worshippers of God, like David did. David, David was a worshipper. How can we become great worshippers of God? And we're going to break this down into three parts. I'm going to talk about it first. We're going to talk about the heart of a worshiper. As we try to get an understanding of the heart of David. We're going to look at David's life and and look at the lifestyle of a worshiper. We're going to look at David's ministry. And we'll talk about the service of a worshiper. We'll do this over these two Sundays. The heart of a worshiper. One of the best places to go and find out what kind of a heart that David had is to go and read the Psalms, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the hand writes. The mouth speaks, right? The hand writes too. So out of all that he had in his heart, he penned those Psalms inspired by the Spirit. And So it's good for us just to go back to Psalms and say, okay, what can I learn about David's heart? As I look at these Psalms, what do they reveal to me about the heart of a worshiper? And uh, I've put four things down, and I'm sure that as you read the Psalms, you'll come up with many more things. But there are four dominant themes that you and I can uh, uh, observe in the Psalms of David that will teach us and reveal to us the heart of a worshiper, the kind of heart you and I must develop and grow in our in our own lives. The first thing that we observe is his recognition of God's greatness. David recognized how great a God he served. And in many of the Psalms, he brings this out. And we read some of them. Some of them are listed for us. You look at Psalm 8. David writes the Psalm and he begins like this. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who have set your glory above the heavens. Just he says, God, your name is so awesome. Like how we were singing earlier. How great is our God, a name that is above all names. You recognize how great God is. He says in verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you ordained, what is man? I mean, God, you're so big. The universe you've created is infinite and you're bigger than all of that. I mean, you're infinite to the power of infinite. You're awesome. You're so big. And what is man that you'd even consider us? His heart stood in awe of the greatness of God. You find terms like most high in Psalm 9 and verse 2. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Meaning, I mean, there are no words beyond this to try and describe how great God is. Most High, King of glory, Mighty God. You'll find these things in his Psalms. Because he's trying to express. In human terms, the greatness of God. In Psalm 19, 1-3, to three, David says, The heavens declare the glory of God. So he's looking at God's creation saying, Wow, this is how awesome God is. The heavens declare the glory of God. His and shows his handiwork. Day unto day out of speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, no language. Where their voice is not heard. It's talking about the greatness of God as as revealed in his creation. Psalm 22 verse 28. David says the kingdom is the Lord's. And he rules over the nations. So all around him are kingdoms and great kings and great empires. But he says hey. God's above all of that. His kingdom rules above all of that not impressed the kings of the earth and like this we find so many other psalms where David just talks about the greatness of God so here's the key point true worship is an overflow of a heart that is in awe of God amen it's like you're so impressed with God you want to worship him That's true worship. It's a heart, it's an expression of a heart that says, God, you are awesome. You're good. You're merciful. You're kind. Now how can we have such a heart? I think one way is for us to just pause and consider. David said, when I consider the heavens, Sometimes we are so busy in life we don't have time to consider anything. Even on Sunday, preacher better finish. Man, it's 12:15. I'm 12:30. I've got to leave. One o'clock I have to be at the restaurant, and I have to finish my lunch. Three o'clock I have to be at. I don't know wherever you know. I'm like, hey, it's a Sunday, but we're still busy. We got everything lined up for the day. No time to consider anything. The sun, oh yeah, the sun's there, you know. Better shine, you know. No time to stop and consider either his creation or the things he is doing in your life, the goodness of God that's coming into your life, little things, small things, no time to consider it. So what? We lose the we lose. Our heart loses that, uh, that feeling of awesomeness of God. We're no longer awed by God because we don't have time to consider, think, ponder, observe what, what God is doing in your life. Sometimes it's a small thing, but it's an expression of His goodness to you, it's an expression of His kindness, it's an expression of His mercy. But we don't have time to consider all that. And so when we talk about mercy, you're saying like, what mercy? If we are not now of God, it's because the mundane, temporal things of this world have dimmed our eyes from seeing the greatness of the infinite, eternal, and indescribable one. Our eyes have lost their ability to see It's time we paused and did what one of the psalmists said. I lift up my eyes. Hey, take your eyes off the things of this world. Lift them up a bit. See how great God is. He'll make you a worshiper. The second thing we see about David, his heart of worship is his hunger for God. Over and over again, the psalms, you read him writing About his hunger. Look for example in Psalm 26 and verse 8. He says, Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house. And the place where your glory dwells. Say, God, I just want to be in your dwelling place. I want to be where your glory is. I have loved your presence. I love it. Psalm 27, again a very familiar passage, verse number four. David says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. It says one thing, should have His prayer list had only one one thing. Some of us have a long prayer list. It's got ten things. But in those ten things, you know, I need a job, I need a car, I need a house, I need a wife, I need a dog, I need a cat, whatever. I don't know. In that list of ten things, anywhere, is there a desire to behold the beauty of, Of the Lord. David said my list. Just one thing. One thing I've desired of the Lord. I want to just be in his presence. So I can see his beauty. That's all I want. That's all I want. I want to see a great God. I want to just delight myself. In him. In his presence. Psalm 63. Again a very. Familiar Psalm, Psalm 63. David at this point was in the wilderness. You can only imagine it must have been quite hard for him. Maybe he had to go with extended periods of time without water and and without any kind of comfort. And all in the midst of all of that, in the wilderness, here's what he writes. Psalm 63 verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Please give me a nice bed. No. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no... He's in the wilderness, not very comfortable. It's a dry land. He says it's a dry and thirsty land. But what's he after? My soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for you. He continues in the next verse. He says, so I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I'm like God, I want your presence, I want to be there. I want to see your glory, I want to experience your power. And he says in verse eight, "My soul follows close behind you. I mean like God, I'm coming after you, I'm pursuing you. That's his hunger for God. point here. True worship is an expression of our hunger for God. A hunger for intimacy with him and a desire for his presence. If you and I are not hungry for God, worship is such a boring thing. You're counting. Okay, they finished five songs. They usually have six songs waiting for it to get over, you know. (laughs) Sing four songs, sit down, get it over with. But it means there is no hunger for God. But if you and I are hungry for God, worship is not limited to any time. I just express more and more and say, God, I want you, I need you, I'm hungry for more of you in my life. I thirst for you. I long for you, God. And, and, and even if it's in, in a dry and thirsty land, you may be in a very difficult place, in a very difficult time in life. David was right there. But he says, my soul is pursuing you. True worship is an expression of our hunger for God. And if you and I are not hungry for God, we just have to pray. Say, God, stir up and hunger in me. Make me more hungry for you. Create in me that hunger. Make me hungry for you, God. Third thing we see about David's heart as a worshiper is his pursuit of holiness. Many of his psalms, David talks about purity, about holiness. Let's look at some of them. In Psalm 5, in verse 7, he says, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy, in the fear of you. I will worship toward your holy temple. He said, God, when I come, I'm coming because of the multitude of your mercies. And I come in reverence of you to worship you. There's a sense of reverence as he came. As he approached God in worship. Psalm 11, verse 4, David says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his, his eyelids test the sons of men. God's in his temple. And God's looking straight into your heart. Meaning, hey, can't play games when you're coming to worship with God. Worship God. Amen. It's a holy God. You're coming into his holy presence. Psalm 15 is a well-known psalm. David says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a wild person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own heart and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. He says, God, who can come and worship you? Who can come into your presence? And he just talks about, purity he understands that worship takes place in an atmosphere of holiness and like this you and I can read many Psalms Psalm 24 again a well known Psalm verse 3 who may ascend into the hill of the Lord who may stand in this holy place He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Saying, God, who can come into your presence? God to come with clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So here's the third thing. True worship cannot take place outside of holiness. You can have a form of worship, but we're talking about worship that is God receives, worship that is acceptable to God it cannot take place outside of holiness true worship is an expression of a heart that is pursuing holiness jesus said like this said it like this he said blessed are the pure in heart because they will see god our encounters with god take place in the purity of our hearts Hebrews 12, 14 says, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. Holiness is a requirement for us to experience the awesome presence of God. In the Old Testament, and I'm sorry, I skipped a slide. If you could just back up, please. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the 30th chapter, verses 34 to 38, when God gave Moses the instruction about the tabernacle and how to put it all together, he told him to make a braze, uh, an altar of incense where there would be incense offered up to the Lord. And he, very, he gave very clear instructions on how to make this incense. And two outstanding things he said. He said, the incense is holy. And second, this incense must not be offered to anybody else. You come into the New Testament, we understand. That this incense represents our prayer and our worship to God. Revelation 5 verse 8. Our prayer and our worship is holy. It must not be offered to anyone else. True worship takes place. In holiness. So for me, for you and I to be worshippers. Let's have a heart that pursues holiness. I'm not saying we're all perfect. I'm saying we're pursuing that. Say, God, I want to be holy. Touch my life with your holiness, God. Because I want to be a worshiper, a true worshiper of God. The last thing we will look at this morning about David is that he worshipped God in good times and he had a heart that was undivided in its devotion to God in all seasons of life. There are many Psalms that reveal this to us. And got a list of them there. Psalm 22, Psalm 13. But I'll just, we'll just read one in Psalm 34 and verse 1. It's a very well-known verse. Psalm 34 verse 1, David said, now this psalm was written, you'll find this in your Bible. This psalm was written when David pretended to be insane. Now I know you and I have pretended a lot of things. But I don't think you and I have ever tried insanity. I mean imagine you go to the office and you pretend you've lost your mind, you know. But David had to pretend insanity in, the, in front of another king, Abimelech, to just protect his own life. He gets state covering because he's insane, you know, state protection. Now in the middle of all of that, he's running for his life. He had to pretend he had lost his mind. He writes a psalm. And what does he say? I will, Psalm 34 verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my, says, God, I'm in a bad situation. I got to do this crazy thing here. But there's one thing I will not change. I will still bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So the key point here is this. A worshiper does not change his worship of God according to the seasons of life because the God he worships is unchanging. Amen? It's not like, okay, today God is good, tomorrow God is bad. No, he doesn't change. And so our worship of him only increases, it only grows And we don't just go up and down just because things go around in our lives, go up and down. No. A true worshiper worships God because God is worthy. Even though circumstances around us may change and and there may be good times, there may be bad times. This morning, I want to invite you and I just to develop the heart of a worshiper. Can we develop this in our lives? Can we ask the Lord, Lord, do this for me. Make me a better worshipper. And I, I realize many of us are already worshipping God. We know how to worship. We, we, we know how to encounter the presence of God. We know how to recognize the presence of God. And I know we are at some level. But I want to invite us to go further. Become a better worshipper. Become a greater worshipper of God. Give Him more. Of a heart of worship. Can we ask the Lord to help us develop a heart that is all of God. Of his greatness. A heart that is hungry for more of God. For his presence. A heart that is pursuing holiness. A heart that demonstrates undivided devotion in good times. And bad. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. I will still worship God. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. God is looking for true worshipers. Heaven is filled with worship. The Bible says that worship in heaven goes on continuously as people as the angelic beings bow before the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy. And it goes on and on and on. They're saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You are worthy. Blessing and honor and wisdom and glory and power be to you, O oh God. And worship goes on and on and on in heaven. Could we capture even a little bit of that so that worship will be here on earth as it is in heaven? Can we ask the Lord to create in us a bigger heart of a worshiper? A heart that is in awe of who he is. A heart that is hungry for him, his presence. A heart that is pursuing holiness. A heart that is devoted to worshiping Him no matter what season of life we go through. Father, we just ask you that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you're creating us this heart of worship. Make us bigger worshipers, better worshipers of God. Help us to worship you even more, Lord. Because you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it. Father, we just thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just make us more and more hungry for you. Make us more and more hungry for your presence. Creating us, O oh God. Creating us, O oh God. A heart of worship. Make us worshipers. Thank you, God. This morning, if you've walked in to church, you came here this morning with a heavy heart. And that heaviness on your heart, whether it's grief or sorrow or anxiety, a concern about something. You came in this morning, but your heart was heavy. I just want to pray release God's blessing on your life. Father, I just pray for those who may have walked in this place this morning with a heavy heart, whatever reason that might be. Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that all that care, all that anxiety and heaviness will lift in Jesus' name. And even now, Lord, replace it with that confident assurance that all will be well. That they will leave this place knowing that all things will be well. Because you're going to take control of that and situation, God. So even this moment, all the heaviness left. And let the peace of God, the confident assurance of God fill our hearts and minds. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for causing this, oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you. Surround you with his favor. And give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go be a worshiper. Amen. Just be extravagant in your worship.